Hi, Bloomers. It's Wendy, and you're listening to Bloom with Flores. Today, I have a special guest with me, Raphael. In a tragic incident that unfolded on May 31st, 2023, Raphael experienced the unimaginable. His 15-year-old son, Elio, while riding his scooter, was hit by a concrete truck. The gravity of this situation led his son to the hospital in critical condition, fighting for his life. We have the opportunity to speak to Raphael today, seeking insights into what occurred on the day of the accident that changed the course of his family's life. This interview provides a firsthand perspective on the incident, offering a glimpse into the emotional and trying circumstances faced by the family. Hi, Raf. I want to express my sincere gratitude for joining us on this podcast today. It's a genuine honor to have you here, and we deeply appreciate you taking the time to speak on the incident involving your son, Elio. The profound concern we all experienced upon hearing the initial news of Elio's accident is beyond what words can describe. It's really a parent's worst nightmare. Thank you for joining us as we delve into the difficult but important conversation. Feel free to introduce yourself. Uh, good morning. Thank you for having me here. Uh, my name is uh, Rafael Lazo. Hey, Raf. So May 31st, 2023 started off as a normal day for you. Tell us what transpired. Um, I don't know if it started. <clears throat> it definitely didn't start like a normal day because one of the things that was so weird about the day of May 31st was that I couldn't sleep at all. I that that entire morning, the day of, I did not sleep at all. And I found it really weird that I was restless and I was unable to sleep. I even went out went, went out for a bike ride because the weather was great at that time. I went out for like a two-hour bike ride around three o'clock in the morning. I came home, I cooked a feast and I ate and I thought it would give me um, you know, the ability to sleep, but I, I didn't sleep. And I found it so weird, you know, but mm -hmm. the rest of the day, it started like a normal day. I logged into into work. I completed my hours and then I was calling Elio like I normally do around, um, you know, 3.30, between 3.30 and, and uh, 4 o'clock. I kept calling him because uh, that's normally the time that he was, that he would be home, but I didn't, I didn't get an answer mm -hmm. at that time. And then my, uh, I was about to jump into the shower and I noticed uh, a call come through, private number, no caller ID. So I answered it because I, I answer any phone call. Right. And that's when I, that's when I received the, the phone call from a OPP officer by the name of Ryan Vaught. And he introduced himself as an OPP officer from Dufferin, uh, Dufferin region, whatever. Um, and right away when he mentioned Elio's name, I, I already knew something horrible had happened and the officer didn't have many words for me at all. At that time, he even didn't know much himself. Mm -hmm. All he told me was that Elio <clears throat> had been involved in, in, in an accident. He had been uh, struck by a cement truck and he's got life. Uh, threatening critical conditions, and he's been airlifted to St. Michael's Hospital in downtown Toronto, 
So he told me, you need to get off the phone with me right now. You need to give them a call because they have a few questions for you. You need to give the hospital and, a call. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So I started um, freaking out, screaming, shaking. I There are no words to express to you what that what I felt like at that moment, I knew that this was something that was going to be a tragic and, and, and a life-changing experience, not just for Elio, but including for me and everyone else involved around them. I Googled uh, and I called the phone number and I don't know, it was like they were waiting for my call, which is weird, but I got through and they had a few questions about Elio as to like, uh, was he allergic to anything and that kind of stuff. And he was already in the operating room. And then the officer called me shortly after that. And he asked me if I was home alone, if, if he basically wanted to make sure that I didn't drive to, uh, to the hospital. But you drove to the hospital because you had no other alternative, right? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. At that time, yes, I could have asked a neighbor. I could have asked uh, some of the close friends that I have in the area. But at that moment, I wasn't thinking straight. Mm -hmm. I just, I just felt like I needed to be at the hospital. Yeah. And, and I drove, uh, right. sh shaking, crying, um, screaming, talking to God, asking God for help. So Raph, you get to the hospital. Where did you go? I had to go through emergency and um, I got into a big argument at the, at the front with, with security and stuff like that over a whole mask, mask uh, procedure. But shortly after there was a young lady that, uh, that approached us in the middle of this chaos. And she, I guess at that point had been appointed as the social worker for the incident mm -hmm. uh, and for our family. And then she brought me into uh, this this private room, mm -hmm. and then shortly after that, a few more family members started to trickle in, and then they were all put into this um, private room. Right. Okay. And so Elio I, was uh, yeah. in, in the operating room at that, that time. Okay, so this so he was in the operating room when you spoke to them, and he's still in the operating room at that time. Yes. Okay. So I'm sure you had many questions when you spoke to the medical team. What was the initial prognosis when you arrived? Well, the doctor came to talk to us um, hours later when the operation had been you know, completed. And that's when the, the doctor gave us a rundown of his um, catastrophic brain injuries and body injuries and stuff like that. Like he got into detail of you know how how tragic and how traumatic this accident had been on elio and all he said to me on a positive note we um the first responders got to him very quickly and between the place of the accident and the operating table everything took 10 minutes mm -hmm. so he's like we got to him as soon as possible so i think that will um be something that will go like, right. into a positive thing for him. Right. And then, you know, he also uh, mentioned, you know, his age. Uh, but other than that, the, nothing else was said as to, you know, what the chances of him or they don't really, they've never gotten into that. These doctors these days, 
even after this and throughout the process, they never, they, they don't get into those type of details. All they tell you is, um, you know, what they're doing, the procedures or surgeries, and that the, the, the procedures or the surgeries were successful. And now we wait. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, on May 31st, that same day at 5.35 PM, CTV News published an article about the accident. Now that the information is public and everyone is aware, your phone must be ringing off the hook. You have no answers yourself. How did you manage communication during this challenging time? Yeah, my phone, see, uh, I, I was like, um, I was, I was, I was a complete mess. I was, I emotionally, uh, broke down when, when the doctor, when the surgeon came into the, the small private room that they had given us and he went over, you know, Elio's injuries. I, I lost it. I don't know if I told you, but I started, I just destroyed the entire room. I, I just completely destroyed it. I made holes on the walls and stuff like that. That was on the first floor. Mm-hmm. And then security came in and they restrained me and stuff like that. Not in an, in an aggressive way. Um, they were just trying to calm I apologize. you down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Days later, I apologized and I even offered to pay for the damages, but they said no. Um, they said it's not, that wasn't a big deal. It wasn't the first time that someone reacted like that. Mm -hmm. The doctor was so beautiful though. The doctor actually gave me like a really, a really tight, comforting hug that day. That's amazing. Yeah, and, and um, so the phone, the phone's ringing. It's it's hard to talk to people, but yeah, you know, if it was close family and friends, I I did take the call and I did my best to talk, right. even though it was very difficult. But yeah. So how soon after that conversation with the doctor were you able to see Elio? So Elio was in a Elio Elio spent a month in a coma and he was on a ventilator, life support. We got to see him I think about three hours after the um after the operation. After the surgery. Yeah, he had been put into like uh ICU, intensive care unit on the ninth floor for neurotrauma. And it was just like um I don't know how to explain it to you. Okay, so about a week later, June 6th, a message was sent out to your friends and family. I'm going to read it to you. Hi, everyone. We really appreciate all the love, attention, support for Elio. We've been dealing with a lot of different emotions and some of them that I don't wish on any human being. Elio's condition is still critical, still fighting in a coma, breathing with a ventilator, but he is making small progressions daily. Could you articulate the emotions you referenced in the message that you sent? You know, those days is like living in a living a nightmare. Mm -hmm. We we didn't sleep for like two weeks straight. Then we couldn't even eat. Yeah, we. We drank coffee, fuck shit, little coffee, water, and stuff like that. But at the same time, you know, I kept asking God for strength. And 
he gave us that that strength for sure. And because of that, I was able to take the time to kind of write these these posts because a lot of people were so invested in wanting to know how Elliot was doing. Yeah. Take your time, Ross. But you know, like I don't know, like those emotions, like it's like it's like a nightmare where you where you can't believe this is your life. I know you, you can't believe this. this your kids are so close to you and you love them so much and and I know that I've experienced that. I see you all the time. Um you and Angela have been Elio's pillar of support naturally as his parents. But seeing your child in a coma without being able to do anything must have been incredibly heart-wrenching and helpless. Can you describe the feeling to us? Yeah, it's the worst thing ever because as a parent, you know, you don't even want your kid to to even, to even fall off their bike and get a scrape. And when you're looking at your child like this in, in this acute condition, fighting for his life, as a parent, the only thing you wish is, is that it was you. Yeah. So I would say to God, I was like, I've talked to you about this before. Mm -hmm. I was like, I've talked to you about this before and I've told you to protect the kids and if they have anything that's coming to them, you know, go through me and just let them be. Yeah. Yeah. It's honestly the worst seeing your child in that condition and you're not able to do anything but pray you print 100 percent yeah yeah raf you and angela encountered an overwhelming outpouring of support and love at the hospital from both friends family and the medical team we are all we were all praying for elio to wake up from the coma could you elaborate on what that meant for you specifically You know, dur during that time, <clears throat> not only do people need all the support that they can in the world, mm -hmm. but we felt, you know, the presence of God, like, there with us in, in the same in the same room. And having family that we love dearly and friends that we consider family who are our chosen family, them being able to be there for us the way that they were just made a huge difference. You know, it, it kept us, kept us together, kept us like holding strong as much as we could for Elliot. We saw other, other families and other patients that were there you know, dealing with their own situations and a lot of family, a lot of those families and some of these patients didn't have the support that we had. You know, mm -hmm. the whole hospital sh shortly knew about Elio from, from like the security team to the generatorial services to the doctors, the staff, just like the people who did the blood work. I don't know how to explain it to you. Um, everybody knew about Elio and about our family because of the amount of people that that were showing up mm -hmm. to show support. And there was even there was even people that I'd never met before that showed up to the hospital as well. 
that saw our story through social media, I guess a friend of a, a friend, you know, our, our posts were public. So a lot of people would, would share them. And there was people, yeah, that showed up to the hospital, to the lobby that we didn't know respectfully. We just wanted to give us some moral support. And some of them even came with, like most of them, I would say everybody who showed up, showed up with something, you know, <laughs> whether it was like, you know, sweets or treats or coffee or, you know, gift cards or some cash in an envelope. And it was, so this thing, you know, it, it just like restored my faith in humanity at, at the same time. And with regards to the medical staff, you know, you can, you know, they're doing their job, but we saw them go over and beyond for Elio. And I know that was like God working through them. Yeah. We have no complaints. Like they absolutely were like angels. Yeah. There was vigils for Elio. Yeah. 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 His school did, you know, his school and his community came together and they did a vigil in front of his house. And they wrote, they brought signs and posters with beautiful words. And we received an overwhelming amount of messages through social media, too, through from friends of his and acquaintances, people that Elio had interacted with him, how he had impacted their lives in such a positive way. They were so hurt to know mm -hmm. like what had happened with Elio. Mm -hmm. And those, um, those candles were like lit every day for at least a month in front of his house, like every single day. That's amazing. Yeah. That just On shows how that, much love, right, they had for Elio. And for you guys. Yeah. yeah, on top of that, you know, we had so much people praying for Elio. Like we had an army of prayer warriors all over Canada, Latin America, Europe, even Africa, Israel. It's just, and that's where Elio was able to, to wake up mm -hmm. because, of, because of the power of prayers. Like there was no... There's no doubt in my mind, you know, that God, there was God's intervention through, through this whole, through this whole process. Absolutely. So I'm sure each day presents new challenges or achievements in Elio's recovery. What has been the most demanding aspect of supporting your son through this journey? Obviously, you both have full-time jobs and other things that you are responsible for. Going through a situation like this. You know, yeah, everyone has bills, unfortunately. But for us, at, at that time when something like this happens, you you kind of tend to forget about everything else, and yeah. and you just want to be and you just want to be there for 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 your son, for your relative, whoever there is in that acute critical condition of their life. The most um, during the time that. He was at St. Michael's. That was a little bit more easier on us in, in regards to how we were like supporting supporting him, right? As he got more aware of his of his condition and injuries and stuff, that was like that's when the challenging part kind of comes in for us as parents because you know he's got days where he he's happy. 
and there's days where he just he's not happy he not happy he doesn't hate his he hates his life and he hates that this happened to him because he's he sees like the restrictions and limitations so it's you know that's that's what's challenging to us as parents when we're there to kind of reassure him you know just trying to keep them positive because you know patients in, in such condition can easily fall into into depression and then they don't want to do much for their uh, for, with the rehabilitation and therapies and stuff like that so that's kind of been the challenging part to us to us as parents as as he's becoming more aware and more aware of everything you know he's also a teenager and he can be stubborn and on top of that he's got um, brain injuries which also adds to to him having to repeat himself or hyper focus as they call it and um and then he's also forgetful like he sometimes you'll you've answered a question a few times and he'll ask you the same question again you know minutes later so those are all the kind of things that we're dealing with right now love is love and with love you take care of everything so we're just happy that he was able to to survive this of you course. Know, that alone itself is truly a miracle yeah your pride takes on a unique profound meaning with elio he's just overcome yeah. the most significant challenge of his life simply being yeah. here with you today right how proud are you of elio oh my god i'm i've always been i've always been proud of my kids but yeah um, Elio is, has like I always knew Elio was was strong, but the way that I just I just I can't. It's hard to. It's like. It's mind blowing. Yeah. All of the things that he went through, especially within the first three months, we had some very very high some very lows where you know they, they would tell us like we don't think he's gonna make it um but he's strong and he's re relentless and he's got this willpower to, to to get better and that's what drives him every day you know he's eager to get back to being himself having that life that he used to have before and you know he one of the things he loves is cutting hair and he, and he's but he cannot wait till he can start cutting hair again. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I'm very proud of him because he's showing like, like strength and he's, he's like, he's got this drive that he's willing to, to do whatever he needs to do to, to recover. You know, when they, when they push him really hard, he doesn't complain. He just, just takes it like a like a champ I guess yeah yeah I mean he's he's always been um a little warrior Elio yeah. um from when he was little yeah his yeah. personality is yeah. just in him right yeah so given what's happened to Elio I've noticed a newfound peace in you while you've always had a calm demeanor what has brought about this change in you yeah I think um Definitely, definitely prayer and going going through, you know, um, a situation like this, it basically changes you completely, the way you mm -hmm. look at life, the way you look at people. 
like I've always been a person that cares about people. Yes, that I know. Even even strangers, like I look at them and if I see people at a table across and they're laughing, they're smiling, that makes me happy. But with this situation that I went through, I, I it's on a whole different level. You don't understand how, we don't understand how special and how fragile a human life is. Yeah. Yeah. So now, when I when I look at people, and I enter a room, regardless regardless of who they are, I have this extra extra love for them. Yeah. Extra love for them, and I just uh, and I just because I know, you know, even though I don't know that person, I know. I know that that person's loved by someone, you know, he's like a father, a cousin, a nephew, a grandchild, a friend, a coworker. So, and you know, we, and we go about our lives regularly every day and, and we get home safely and we just don't know how lucky we are that we're, we're able to, to do those little things that we just don't even take us take 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 us as a blessing when you're in you know when you spend six months in a hospital setting like i have it shows you the world Mm -hmm. in a different different way and even here as you and i are talking on this podcast there's people right now being flown in or transported by ambulance even right now, that's the second into emergency with. So it's like, I, I I think about that every day. Yeah, you're like super sensitive now to those kinds yeah. of news, right? Yeah, and it's made me a little bit more, I've always been cautious, but now it's like, I think I'm paranoid these days. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a thin line between life and death, right? So <clears throat> yeah, fragile. Now, and how life can change literally in, in, in a second. Yeah. So not only are you an advocate for your son, but you're also now seeking to support other parents facing similar challenges. How are you navigating this newfound purpose? Yeah. So one of the, um, one of the, there's a couple of things that, that I'm going to start doing. The first one that I've started with is like I've already been in contact with a company called Combine Insurance. So for those who don't know, I I took out a policy five years ago uh, with a company called Combine Combine Insurance, and what they offer is basically protection um, under two products: accidental and sickness. And under sickness, it includes. Uh, critical illness like cancer and uh, other things. Um, so I, I took out this policy five years ago, not not knowing or ever, ever imagine, imagining that I would be in, in a situation like this one. But I thank God that I was, uh, I came across a company like that and that I was able to see uh, the benefit of having such such protection because this um, 
through this through this insurance, it's what has allowed us to to be able to to navigate through these times in a from a financial standpoint. Because when you're dealing with um, the, the accident and the, your illness and you're at the hospital, you're no longer working the same. And even if you try to go back to work, you're, there's no way you can focus or concentrate. So that's one of the things that I'm, I'm going to start doing. I'm going to get involved with, with insurance. You know, I, I was a client of Combine Insurance. Now I'm going to become a, an insurance agent. And the reason behind this is because I want to make sure that people that I know and even people that I don't know, you know, know about this product and take out a policy for themselves and their family. So this is, this, this to me right now, it's like a God given mission mm -hmm. that, that I have been given because part of Elio's recovery entire you know even the medical staff has acknowledged and has told us is because he's he has had his family support he's had his parents you know next to him the entire time versus other patients you know that i would see including at the kids rehabilitation hospital where these kids are you know seven eight years old sometimes a little bit older but they are by themselves right the entire the entire day up until, you know, six or seven o'clock at night and they're looking out asking the nurse, oh, is my mom or dad coming yet? Are they here yet? Have you heard from them? You know, that's, you know, that's, that's kind of the, that, that seeing that alone was, was, uh, was really tough to see. And it's not because these families don't want to be there. It's because these families cannot afford to stop working. Right. Because otherwise they're going to lose their home, their cars, their lifestyle. They're going to, you can practically lose everything. Like, you know, Angela, Elio's mother and I would have probably lost everything yeah, because we completely put the brakes on everything and we just wanted to be there next to Elio. And if you have savings, which most people don't these days, unfortunately, you can, uh, those savings will be quickly depleted because, right. you know, when you're living in a, in, when you have a family in a Canadian household, like, you know, your bills are usually seven to 10 grand a month. And you're not even living a luxurious life. This is just living, guys, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's one of the things that I'm going to do. And the other thing is, so I'm going to be looking into starting my own charity foundation. I don't know what the name of it is going to be yet, but I'm sure it's going to have Elio's name somewhere in it. And I won't, and the foundation, it's going to be for, or focus is going to be on brain injury. Mm -hmm. And I want to focus on families with kids. 18 and under. Okay. That's and amazing, Ross. Yeah. The, um, the reason behind all of this is because what I went through, not just like, you know, dealing with, with Elio being in, in that condition, that's one thing, but there's a whole different world that you're dealing with on the outside as, as a parent, you know? The the suffering, the lack of resources, the lack of money, you know, that, that comes into play with, with all of this that just makes that, that makes the situation even a bigger, a bigger burden. Right. So that's the reason why I want to do both of these things, the insurance so that people are protected, 
And if, if, if at any point they're, they're in the need of this, at least they can access the funds, which should ease their, their, finan their financial headaches. And then there's going to be the other side of people who may not be able to, to have the insurance policy, but these families need, you know, money while they're in this situation. Because a lot of these families, we were living, we were living out of the hospital. We were sleeping next to Elio on, on chairs. And then there was like a, there was like a family lounge, <clears throat> which like one or two, like three sofas. And uh, kid you not, all of us parents who were living at the hospital, we would literally like take turns to sleep on this couches. Like we would set up like two hour timers and, and we would try to sleep even like small pockets, but we would take turns and we would share food and we would cry together and we would pray together. It's, it's the last six months, what I've, what I've been through is. Yeah, it was really your support system at the time, right? Yes, 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 yes. So those are two things that I that that I'm that I really need to do, you know, in my life, and um, and and I feel I'm going to be very successful at them because I'm going to them with 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 love and passion, and I'm going in it for the right reasons. Elio will have his own story to tell one day, but as parents, what are your hopes for his future? That he can that that he can do a full recovery, and and have the life that that we've all wished that he has, you know, a life with good health, happiness, you know, success, true love. Are there any thank you messages you would like to share with the listeners who have been following Elio's journey from the beginning? Yeah, um, regularly, you know, I always express our gratitude for, for all of the love, the support. You know, there was also a, a GoFundMe account um, that was put together for Elio. And um, and that was, you know, very beautiful to see the generosity of people uh, during that time. Elio was very thankful. Like it's just like I told you earlier, this this whole thing restored my belief in humanity. I I I've seen that there's still a lot of good people out there in yeah. the midst of the chaos and all this negativity that's being presented to us. There is a lot of there's still good people out there. I and, agree with you. And we thank you guys, you know, so much. Like I keep telling everyone, we wouldn't have been able to do this without you guys. Yeah. Well, we love you guys. Um, and we're here for, for everything and for you guys. And uh, we hope for a speedy recovery for Elio. Thank you, Raf. Yeah, you're welcome. As we conclude this episode, let us carry forward the lessons embedded in Raphael's narrative. The importance of cherishing our loved ones, the value of resilience in the face of adversity. A traumatic and life-altering event is never easy. And Raphael's willingness to share the details of his son's accident serves as a powerful reminder of the resilience of the human spirit. His account has taken us on an emotional journey, prompting us to reflect on the fragility of life and the unexpected turns it can take. Our thoughts are with Raphael and his family as they continue to navigate the challenging road to recovery. We'd love to hear your stories 
feel free to share your personal journeys in the comments or via our social media channel. Your stories inspire us and help us grow together as a community of bloomers. Stay tuned for more content. And until next time, keep blooming.